Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, it is our sex tech segment with uh, sex tech guru, Dr. Jason Behrman. We'll talk about OnlyFans, which is an online uh, platform for the adult industry. We'll talk about cybersecurity and what happens to all those sexy photos that you may be posting on dating sites uh, and whatever else you want to bring up with our sex tech guru. That's after 10.15, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me as well to lori at drlori.com or just go to drlori.com and fill out the contact form. And I got one email, uh, this one from Australia. Good morning, Lori. Greetings from Sydney. Our little foursome for lunch with Lori has expanded to seven now, and we decided it's a ladies-only club. We all loved yesterday's show, and we did not expect a poem so fast. We love the poem. Thank you. We are all wondering if you can bring us up to speed about your show and you, other than what we read on your site. We would like to know about the poet as well, and why do you read the poems and not the poet? What is the passion community? I have two friends in New Zealand who started listening to your show and friends I never lost contact with in Manchester, England, who are listening in. I think you have gone international. Thank you. And that's from Mindy, who we've been hearing via her father uh, a few times already. So, okay, it's a good opportunity to tell you a little bit about the show. And for those people who maybe are other people who are new to the show may be wondering. So this is a show that is about sex, love, relationships. It's uh, Monday to Friday, 10 to 11 p.m. And it's a show that's been on the air now uh, for 21 years. We're going into our 22nd year next month already. It's uh, one of the longest running shows on uh, basically on, on radio. And it's uh, it's been a, a privilege and an, and an honor to be able to share and bring, bring to people sexual health and wellness information. So uh, that's about the show. I'm not sure what else you want to know in my, uh, daytime. My day job is as a therapist. So I work with, um, couples. I do uh, sex therapy and clinical psychology and, uh, marriage counseling. Most, that's what mostly what I do, but, um, I can work with all kinds of, uh, other mental health issues as well. So I do that privately, uh, during the day and this is my evening job. And in my spare time, I write, I write articles and blog posts. I run a sexual wellness center on, uh, another platform. I wrote a book called the sex Bible for people over 50 and, uh, I keep, uh, I keep busy. I would say the passion community is what was created here. There are a lot of people who are, who listen to the show, who regularly, uh, text in who, um, who help other people. So it's not just me answering questions and me helping people, but it's everybody, it's people helping people. And that's what, what has become of, uh, of this show. So a lot of people who write in will often ask for other listeners input as well, not just mine, but what they want to know, what do people think? And so, uh, it, it sometimes turns into a big kind of group therapy or, or, 
a community is the best way that we that that we could call it so we've called it the the passion uh, community as for the poet the passion poet which we dubbed him that I'm not even sure how long he's been writing poems but he's a he's a listener who started just uh writing texting in uh, poems every night he hears what the topic is about comes up with a poem about it and and that's it and I had the opportunity to meet him in person um, last year I guess and I invited him to be on our, our baby boomer panel and uh, he's a bit shy uh, so he doesn't really call in with his poet poems he'd rather just me read his poems and and that's what it's about but he doesn't work for us or anything like that he's just uh just a, a you know a really nice regular guy who's been a listener for a while and uh, that's what he's done uh, I want to say a shout out to Manchester England I was there last May uh, have family in Manchester as well so a uh, shout out to all of you people uh, all in, at the in that side of the world hope you are all safe and sound and thank you for making us making uh, passion a part of your uh, a part of your day so really do appreciate that uh, then I got another email. Let me see. Oh, yeah, somebody just said uh, you neglected to mention that you paint as well. So in my spare time, yes, I like to do uh, art. <laughs> I paint, I sculpt, uh, I do like to do arts and crafts. I like sewing and um, I like to do creative things in my spare time for sure. Uh, text writes in hi dr Roy, that's so cool that your listenership is expanding across the commonwealth i hope those ladies can allow the passion poet at least some anonymity though <laughs> and the passion poet says it's because your voice makes my poems sound better oh you underestimate yourself passion poet uh, and then a feel-good kind of story today it's nothing to do with sexuality but more about community I saw something today that I thought was just incredible. I was working on a tower near a small park that has a water fountain that I know does not work. Nearby, there is a bench where this homeless woman was sitting with all her stuff in a cart. This nicely dressed woman was walking through the park, stopped at the water fountain, only to discover it was not working. I could see a conversation starting between the homeless lady and this woman. The homeless lady went into her cart and handed her a bottle of water and even sprayed it with something before handing it to her. The lady accepted and went into her handbag to give her money. The homeless lady, I can tell, was refusing it. In my truck, I carry a small cooler with fruit and cut cut veggies in it, apples, peaches, sliced carrots, and celery. I went down the tower, got my cooler, and walked to the bench and told her I wanted to give it to her. She accepted the fruit, but not the cooler. She had her own cooler. I told her I saw what she did, and I thought it was very kind. She said, it is hot out, and she was thirsty, and this darn fountain does not work. Bless her. I went back to work in about 30 minutes. The woman came back with a bag and I could see it was full of water bottles. Someone who has nothing or very little was giving to someone with so much more. I think we can all learn something from this. Yes, we can all learn about kindness, uh, to be kind to our neighbors and in our community. So thank you. I think uh, it helps to, to hear that. Uh, my girlfriend said her doctor told her that a male and female can pass a yeast infection back and forth if they have unprotected sex and the girl hasn't cured the yeast infection. Is this true? How would I know if I had one and how would I fix it? I thought men couldn't get them. 
Yes, unfortunately, it is true. Men can also get yeast infections from their female partner, but it is much less common in men than in uh, in women. Uh, far more common if you are uncircumcised, by the way, uh, because of the... Um, Yeast needs a moist environment to grow in, and the foreskin provides that moist environment. You might know if you had one, if you maybe see small white spots or redness or rash on your penis that feels itchy uh, or a a burning uh, sensation. You might also notice a thick white substance under the foreskin. Uh, but you can easily treat a yeast infection with an antifungal medication, uh, which you can get without a prescription, by the way. Uh, but if it persists, please see your medical doctor and make sure that your partner also uh, gets uh, treated for uh, for the yeast infection. So bottom line is, yes, men can get it. It's rare, but it happens. Uh, so, but nothing to worry about. You can get uh, treatment for this. Coming up, uh, we've got Dr. Jason Behrman, our sex tech guru, who will join us. We'll talk about OnlyFans. I'm sure you've heard about this uh, this platform. It's been in the news quite a bit. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tonight, uh, well, it's our sex tech night. Once a month, we focus on technology and all what's up and coming and new. And, of course, it's a forever changing uh, world. And to keep up uh, with that, and uh, we've got our own guru, uh, sex tech guru, who joins us here every month to uh, help us tease out, make sense of, and sometimes scare the bejesus out of us uh, when it comes to what's happening online and the dangers that lurk behind there. Uh, Dr. Jason Behrman is with us. He is a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology with a background in public health. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hi, Lori. I'm doing very well. Um, You sound to be doing uh, very well as well. (laughs) I'm safe. I'm healthy, and that's what matters uh, right now. So, and enjoying the beautiful weather. I'm sure you're enjoying your garden. Uh, so that's great. All right. Yeah, and also the outdoor gyms here in the neighborhood. Oh boy, they're oh, that's really nice. great. You have outdoor mm-hmm. gyms in your neighborhood. That's fantastic. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a really like fancy one here in the village, uh, just like two minutes away from my door, actually. And it's become like the hot spot <laughs> to go because everything else is closed because of the pandemic. You see, right? It's also so safer, you see a right? Lot of people, yeah, and also mm-hmm. people are in Montreal are really embracing uh, the public spaces now. Right. As they should, because they're they're wonderful. So. Right. So let's use those public spaces. But what what about the public spaces on the internet? <laughs> Why don't we talk about those now? Um, I know we were going to talk about this last month. We never got around to it. But OnlyFans. This is is this a a newish platform? Okay, well, actually, it's not. Um, oh. It's been around since 2016, but I don't know why. But only recently, it started to get a lot of attention and a lot of like media reporting. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happened is that it's reached some kind of like a critical mass where the number of people that are using it has uh, reached a tipping point, where now it's become quite popular and it, it's generating like a lot of buzz and it's becoming quite significant. I heard. So what it is, sorry, oh, Jason. Me. I heard that, um, especially since the pandemic. 
mm-hmm. in terms of people who uh, were maybe doing sex work before are now using this platform to make some money. Um, so there may have been some like new, you know, a, a, a rise in, in people, I guess, um, going there or using it or using it to make money. Um, that could very well make sense. That does not surprise me at all. And actually, uh, yeah, that, 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 that could be it. Um, so what it is exactly, it's kind of like an online social network platform meet independent e-commerce platform. So like, you know, a whole bunch of like Shopify's connected together or different like eBay sellers oh, coming okay. together. But instead, it is independent creative people or independent artists, quote unquote, and they uh, produce content that is uh, adult content. And uh, it's for fans only, and you can only access it via subscription. Hmm. Now, this is interesting because making money on the Internet um, as a creative person uh, or an artist is very difficult because right. the primary uh, business model in order to make money online is quite often to give services away for free, but you attract enough attention to um, these kind of websites that provide these services, and then you could sell advertisements. Right. Books. And like this is a very crowded environment, and it's dominated by a few huge big players, namely like Facebook and Google. And so everybody's trying to get uh, a piece of the pie of this like advertising revenue, and like it's not like working all that well. And like there's people making billions upon billions of dollars, but it's not like the individual um, hmm. creatives who are producing the content uh, that generates the the money and the eyeballs on the ads in the first place. Right. So there's been kind of like a transition towards more like subscription-based services. Mm-hmm. And this is starting to empower like the individual or like, you know, the entrepreneurial person who wants to make money off of creative content in whatever shape or form that could be. And lo and behold, this is where um, OnlyFans comes out. And uh, there are competitors as well. Some are like a very similar name called Just Fans, for example. Mm-hmm. And you could be like your own independent provider of uh, ad- adult content. How, and in it doesn't what necessarily format? have to be um, hardcore porn or anything like okay. that. So you get, um, you get a profile and then people can follow you and they have to pay uh, a subscription and um, the, the people who have their profile on it and produce the content, they determine the content that they want to provide and also at what price. And quite often, you will have to pay a monthly subscription of like 5 to $20. Okay. And um, the, the people who provide the content, um, they're not necessarily uh, adult film stars. So like you were describing, you know, people are going on to OnlyFans in order to make up for lost income due mm-hmm. to the pandemic disruption. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you will find people that are just like um, social media influencers, people that have like a lot of followers and are popular online. And they're like a fitness instructor Mm -hmm. or some kind of musician or some kind of other artist that some people find particularly attractive or particularly interesting. And so this like opened up this whole new potential um, revenue stream for these people. And um, Jason, is OnlyFans uh, just adult content? Yes, ah, specifically okay. for that. Okay. And, um, it's interesting as well because um, it's disrupting the adult industry. Yeah. And, um, I must say we do need a disruption there because it's becoming more and more dominated by a select few uh, players. 
and a lot of consolidation. And so you're getting this like massive oligopoly out there where like, you know, four or five different companies will determine all the major adult content that's out there online. And like, nobody wants that. That's not a good idea. Um, So with this situation here, um, what's interesting is that you have to pay using a credit card. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you have to show an ID. And there's a degree of vetting before you get in. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way to ensure that it's only adults that are accessing the content and not children, which is very rare with the other business model, which is like, you know, give it away for free and we'll make money off of ads. But I'm wondering, too, how many people are uh, afraid of that information getting out, like if they give their credit card information and we're uh you know i'm thinking of uh just credit card statements coming through the house for example not wanting a spouse to know that it's going to only fans or i mean i know there's people who are afraid of having their identity um known right or some some kind of breach um yeah but i would say that that risk would be equivalent to you uh purchasing uh adult content uh through these other kinds of uh um, porn producers out right. there. They have, and, and like you, you, many of them um, are, are not just like available for free, but you do have to pay right. to access them. And many people just like pirate the, those videos. Right. But I would say this is, it's very similar to you purchasing, I don't know, any other subscription online. Right. I, I, I guess don't understand it's like why it would necessarily be like more risky, let's say. I guess associating your purchase with uh, buying sexual services. Okay. Well, yeah. let's um, unpack a little bit more of like what are some of the typical content that uh, mm-hmm. that goes out there. So what it is is like you actually build like a social network or like a body of fans that follow you, mm-hmm. and they can interact with you. And you could post just like regular photos. You could do video content as well, which could be like you engaging in intercourse with another person or persons, or just like doing solo stuff. But what people find that's more interesting with these services is that you actually can have an interaction Mm -hmm. with other fans that are following a person and like message that person. And you could like um, ask them, make requests to do uh, personalized content for you and have like interactive content. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one person, uh, she describes how um, a a bunch of uh, fans, they got together and uh, they paid to have her ride around her car in her underwear. (laughs) <laughs> and only they were in the know, you know. So it was okay. kind of like you know that special a private, kind of treatment. yeah, like a private dance, a private like a private yeah. party with the stripper or whatever, something yeah. like that. And some of them asked them to do just like little gags where they they asked her to order a pizza and just answer the door in the nude and have it filmed so that they could like watch the reaction of like the pizza delivery person. You know? <laughs> so it's not all just like hardcore sexual okay. stuff. Right. And they're saying that. Like, that's not what it's meant for. And, and one, one of the um, users of the platform said, um, you could get porn for free. And guys don't want to pay for that anymore. They want right. an opportunity to get to know somebody. Like, right. people want this connection. Right. And they say through, like, this, like, OnlyFans that they could kind of become, like, a pseudo-online girlfriend with a lot of these people. Wow. But, like, en masse. Like, it's, it's not right. just, like, necessarily one-on-one. It's, like, they, a group of right. fans. But they feel at least a connection. It's like having a webcam girl doing it just for you kind of thing or the sensation that it's just for you. And if it's just a smaller group. So it's like Instagram in a way where you collect followers and interact, but it's uh, it's for adult content. Yes. 
And um, what's interesting, once again, is like you do not have to be dependent on a production company. You do not have to follow the wishes of what like a major porn corporation tells you that they want to produce. And um, you determine uh, what kind of rates you want to charge for your monthly subscription. Right. And um, it seems like now to be a more empowering business model within the adult industry, which had a kind of bad reputation for a really long time yes. where performers in the industry, like the vast majority of them barely made like enough. That's to right. Really, like, not like, like, yeah, not like in the, in the, in the beginnings, in the beginnings where they owned their content and now their content is just being diffused, uh, for free or initially when cam girls started and, and what have you. So it's going back to uh, giving them the control over their mm-hmm. own content, which is, uh, which can never be a bad thing. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. And once again, it doesn't have to be that kind of hardcore sexuality. It could be more playful. It could be more creative. It could be more um, group oriented. So right. you could get like a, a collection of fans that want you to do X, Y, Z, and then another group of people will have a different like or a different right. uh, uh, aspiration for you. Right. And it's not just like a webcam experience where you go in and like you you are there for one reason only, and right. then you log on, you get you 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 get the deed done, and then you log off. It's like <laughs> no, this is like uh, really for fans. You're, you know, like you build yeah, a following, exactly. you you do a little chit chat, you get an interaction, you meet meet yeah. with other fans, and you waste so a whole the, lot of time. um um yeah a lot of anything that has like a social network kind of component to it has a tendency to be a a a time suck doesn't it yes exactly exactly dr jason behrman is with us he's a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology and uh, he joins us every month to share his expertise with us with anything to do with the sexuality um, side of things and on the tech side Uh, of things of sexuality so uh, if you have questions uh, for Dr. Jason uh, please uh, send them along to 514-800 in fact uh, coming up after the news uh, there's a question for Dr. Behrman to explain what queer tech is and I think I have an idea that he knows how to explain that quite well (laughs) something that he was involved with for many years so we'll uh, we'll talk to Jason uh, Dr. Jason Behrman about queer tech and about uh, cyber security when it comes to your sexy photos and all the information you share on your dating app. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. It's our sex tech evening, and Dr. Jason Behrman is here. He's a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. He has a background in public health as well. So we've been talking about OnlyFans and just a couple of texts here. Um, I've heard of OnlyFans. I'm glad there's some degree of empowerment and creative and business liberty for the content providers. Still sounds like a bit of an expensive and time-consuming everyday hobby for the subscribers, though. I imagine some people can get pretty hooked on that, too. Uh, And then the Passion Poet wrote uh, this, those 10-page disclaimers on all those dating sites, very few ever read them, but you are giving up some rights. All the photos you post, the rights are not exclusive. 
In fact, you may find they are somewhat intrusive, like logging into free Wi-Fi, you are giving up your security, looking at your browsing history and seeing your impurity. To be 100% protected, only one way to be sure, disconnect from the net, now you are secure. <laughs> How true, and right? Also very lonely and also <laughs> a bit of a Luddite that, uh, I mean, like I, I'm all for the old-fashioned ways. Um, I, I personally have never, ever used a dating app, so... Um, right. But, but whatever, if the vast majority of people People do today and that's the reality and uh, I, I believe the majority of people now first meet their partner through Apps. some online platform yeah, now it's absolutely. become like that common it really really redefined dating in the 21st century oh completely and now this text writes you should never ever put in your real date of birth on any app or dating site that and your full name can quickly turn into identity fraud you can be found on canada 411 and it starts there so of course there are cybersecurity uh, questions and, and concerns, uh, when it comes to dating apps. And, you know, most people don't really, I guess, think about it all, but what, what is it that we need to worry about? What, what's actually happening? Okay. And, um, I will answer the listener's question regarding oh, queer, queer tech, tech after, yes. after we do this, cause we just jumped into sure. it. So on, on countless episodes of Passion in the past, when we have our sex tech discussion, Lori, we've discussed uh, major problems with uh, privacy on yes. uh, dating apps because people share a lot of personal information on dating apps very willy-nilly, and they do not think of like any kind of ramifications that could have on their lives. And sure. there's been multiple, multiple studies that show uh, unethical business practices by a lot of these dating apps where they're taking different pockets of information about their users. And they're not necessarily selling your name or anything that could be connected back to you, mm-hmm. but they are selling um, copious amounts of information on users to third parties that you could be targeted for ads or be like incorporated in different kinds of like market studies. And a lot of a lot of people do not like fully consent to this. It's not an informed kind of consent. And they, many people do not even know that this is happening. And right. sometimes deeply personal information related to like your marital status, to like your health status, to like whether or not you have an FDI, a sexually transmitted infection, sorry, mm-hmm. um, is being shared with like third party advertiser kind of companies. Um, it gets worse. So there's like some other security risk now that I want to inform the public about, Mm -hmm. which is like whenever you use these dating apps, like when you take a photo or you make a message or you you write something or you share content on it, like where is that? Like where does it go? (laughs) It's not like kept on your phone or your hard drive. It's it's kept in like something called a cloud server, which means like a a hard drive away from whatever it is, the interface that you're using at the moment. And also, like, lots of these dating apps and hookup apps, they're very complicated. They have, like, geolocalization yeah. and all these other, like, mapping features. And, you know, they will make recommendations of places where you could go on dates and stuff. Like, some of them are pretty sophisticated. Now, like, a dating app company, they're focused on, like, matchmaking. So they don't have, like, all the expertise to do, like, all this, like, mapping technology and geolocalization. Like, why would they? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that kind of tech capacities is contracted out to other people, to other corporations or other companies that will build those services for them. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But with that being said is that all this information that we're providing on these dating apps, it's being kept somewhere. And it, it often has to be kept by more than one entity, and you got to ask yourself is like, well, how well safeguarded is all that information and who's safeguarding it? Like who's watching all this like info? And like, it's not exactly clear. 
And mm -hmm. it's hard for you to find out because obviously these dating apps, they don't want to tell you because if they give you all the details of like where your information is being stored and, by, and how, like that in itself is like a security risk because somebody then knows like how the system works. Right. So you have people that are security researchers, and here are two that I'm going to describe. One is called Noam uh, Rodem and uh, Ran Lokar. And uh, there's people like this as professionals, or they will do this just out of, like, prestige. They will scour the Internet, and they will look for cybersecurity weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And um, they will find them, identify the problem, and, like, solve it. And then you could add that to your portfolio. And, you know, being um, a specialist in cybersecurity today, oh, boy, that's a very, very lucrative career yes. option. Yes. So everybody yes. go into that. So they were just, like, <laughs> literally – walking down a street and turning doorknobs randomly to see if any door was left unlocked and what they would find if they would walk in through that door. They did the same thing, but with like cloud storage mm -hmm, services. Mm -hmm. And they, lo and behold, they just like checked one, um, one server and they were able to access it and nothing was encrypted and there was, it wasn't like protected whatsoever. Wow. And it just contained a trove of information of a whole bunch of specialized dating apps. Now you got to hear the names of these dating apps because some of them are like, oh, they're so awesome. So it was dating apps related to three sums. So the number three, mm -hmm. Cougary, Gay <laughs> Daddy Bear. Expal, BBW dating, which is uh, big-breasted women dating, mm -hmm. Casual X, Sugar D, Herpes dating, and G Hunt. Well, that's a and... lot of apps I've never even heard of. Okay. Oh yeah, but aren't they fun? Ooh, G Hunt, I'm interested. Uh -huh. um, okay, and they found data from hundreds of thousands of users that was just stored. Uh, what do they do with it, though? What are you going to do me? with it? What are you going to do with this information? Most of it well, is online. You, you, you Usually you have a picture and you put a first name and an age and a little bit of information, but that's it, usually, uh, I think. No, 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 no. What they found in this trove of information was sexually explicit photos and audio recordings, oh. screenshots of private chats. Oh. Um, re receipts for payments, whether to like the, the dating okay. platform or right. payments between individuals. Wink, wink. What's going on there? Okay. And um, this was not a hack. Like they did not hack into the system. It was just that the data and the information was stored in a very sloppy kind of way where somebody just literally, quote unquote, forgot to lock the door wow. and nobody like knew to check it. And I mean, like if you look at the door, you can't just tell with like that that it's unlocked you know like you have to go and check it and so that's pretty much what they they uncovered and they found all this information and they have no idea whether or not somebody identified that cybersecurity weakness before they did so mm -hmm. we don't know if anybody else saw all that information if somebody took it if somebody copied it Can and I... uh, this is this is very, quite worrisome because right. you know you could become the target of extortion that's what or... i wanted to ask you what is the worst case scenario for somebody having access to this information oh somebody blackmails you uh somebody harasses you online, somebody tries to humiliate you. Um, in the case of the dating app Herpes Dating, uh, you could identify people potentially and reveal uh, aspects of their, their health. Right. And, you know, that is supposed to be like tightly guarded confidential mm -hmm. information. That's true. And, and oh my gosh, it's just so strange. You know, you, you think these days we would have tighter regulations as to how these companies handle our personal data. But case after case, again, and just like here on Passion, um, I keep bringing up numerous cases where, you know, data, privacy, your information online, like a lot of that is 
at an embryonic stage of development in terms of protecting average consumers like ourselves. And I want everybody to get real and be aware of this and to think twice about the amount of deeply personal information you are willing to share with people you barely know and with with an app company that you have like virtually no relationship with, definitely not a fiduciary relationship with. That makes a lot of sense and and, uh, for sure. Watch what you put out there because it's it's what, you know, our parents, well, not our parents, but we as parents would tell our kids in this generation, whatever you're putting out there, it's out there for good. So make sure that uh, whatever you put out there could be seen by, you know, your grandma and be okay with it. So that kind of thing. Uh, Coming up, uh, we'll talk about uh, queer tech, what that's all about, uh, with uh, Dr. Jason Behrman, our specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Discussing sex and technology and where the two converge with uh, Dr. Jason Barron, our specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. He does this with us every single month. A couple of texts here at 514-800. It doesn't surprise me that some dating app user correspondence and content is floating around unencrypted and not well protected. You give up a a bit of personal anonymity when you go on the net and especially in a more sensitive context like a dating app. Another texter says, I love his analogy with the doors. It's like stealing a car, and today you can do it with a remote. That's true, too. Mm. Uh, And then another texter says, some free Wi-Fis will actually turn on your mic. No one is actually listening, but an electronic ear is. It listens for key words like Nike, Cuba, Vacation, Nintendo, etc. Next thing you know, your mail is spammed with promotions. So there's that. Uh, and then there's a question for you, uh, besides the queer tech question, and we'll get to that. Does Google Incognito protect you from anything? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, no, actually, there, there was a case where Google, I believe, is being sued now because they, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, it, 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 um, it gave people a false sense of security and a false sense of anonymity by using um, Google, the incognito feature of the browser. All you have to do is do a shift command and uh, the letter N, and uh, you could uh, surf the net um, in a way that it's not uh, storing your history and stuff like that. And it's a great way for you to like get deals on e-commerce sites or if you want to bypass like limitations on uh, access to content. So like mm-hmm. you can only get three free um, articles of the New York Times before you start paying for it. Right. Well, you just switch to the incognito browser, and then you get like another three free ones. Oh, it doesn't that's a good. That, that's a good uh, a little tip. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> also, whenever you do shopping online, um, try both browsers at the same site, including like Airbnb or anything you buy online, and you could see that sometimes you will get different prices. What? Um, yeah, because sometimes if they recognize you as a returned user, they could uh, adapt their prices knowing like what would be your price point or like what no you're looking way. for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try it out. <laughs> I'm so going get, to. Like, for hotel rooms just by like, you know, doing a side by side comparison with uh, Google Incognito, uh, the gr- Chrome Incognito and uh, regular Chrome. Really? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like. People asked this once before, and I'm like, no, it's not the most anonymous. I mean, like, if Google Chrome incognito was, like, that incognito and anonymous, 
organized crime and like terrorist organizations and right wing groups and stuff. They would be all over this. Right. And they're not. So <laughs> there's a reason. Okay, yeah. good. Um, all um, right. Okay. What's Queer, what's queer Tech? tech? What's so queer, queer Tech? tech queer Tech is a not for profit that promotes um, greater diversity and inclusion of sex, gender, and sexual minorities in the technology sector. And uh, they typically host uh, monthly events. Um, that will usually be like a speaker that is an LGBTQ person that is like thriving in the tech sector and they recount their, their, uh, their story or we'll do events that will uh, help with like training in the tech sector or we will do social activism activities such as uh, a yearly event during Pride now. Uh, we will come together and we will upgrade the technological capacities of local LGBTQ charities um, oh, wow. called Pride Hacks. And so uh, I was the uh, vice president of the organization for like two years. And then I was their VP of uh, marketing and communications for mm-hmm. uh, almost a year. And uh, yeah, I resigned after that, yeah. after like a three-year stint with them. Very cool They're still around, but like um, they pulled back a lot uh, because of like the pandemic and everything. Of course, of course. Because you can't have course. the face-to-face, you know, interactions right. so much. right. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, Texter wants to know, would one be wrong in assuming that OnlyFans is predominantly male-on-male? Male? No, that's quite wrong, right? It's Not at all. Right. No, no, no. You, you get everything everything under the sun. Right. That's Actually, true. from most of what I read and, and the videos that I listen to of people who uh, create content and have a profile on online fans, um, we're very hetero-focused. Right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And it was both like men and women, and they will cater to clients that are also of uh, multiple gender identities. Right. Yeah. Uh, so um, the one who, the person who asked about uh, Google Incognito, actually wrote back says it does protect you from your history for your partner not to see. So you're incognito, so your partner doesn't see your browser history. Basically, is what he's saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. But um, you know what? Uh, your partner should not be snooping and. So there's a question here, I'd like, I don't think you, not sure if you could actually answer. I think they think you're a medical doctor. Dr. Jason Behrman is a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. Uh, yes, he is has a background in public health. I'm not sure he has this, but... Uh, biomedical uh, sciences and bioethics. So maybe you I might did a lot know of work this. In public health. Yeah. Please ask Doc about inhaling polyester nylon bisophenol masks daily and infertility. Do you, and do you know anything about this? No. Okay. <laughs> I just put it out there. Whatever. We'll, uh, maybe Dr. Joe can answer that question. Uh, you can send it to him through Facebook or uh, on Sundays when he's uh, on the program. Uh, I think I know what they're alluding to, though, and I, I did talk about it a bit on a previous ex- uh, episode of Passion, and that was like declining uh, sperm counts throughout the world and men, and we don't really know what the heck is going on. And we see to think that there's some kind of like industrial toxin that's building up especially in men's bodies over hmm. time and some of these it's like one of the the hypotheses is that um, some of uh, plastic compounds as they degrade or just like compounds uh, as is they have um, estrogenic like properties right. and um, over time this builds up in the environment and this could cause um, low sperm count to the point of 
causing reproductive problems. Okay. So not so specifically to the masks, but right. Mm -hmm. So the last thing I want to talk to you about, and you being uh, from uh, the queer community and, and doing, having, you know, doing a lot of work uh, in the community, it's a, uh, now's a good time to learn how to be an ally and uh, supporting sexual minorities, especially, uh, especially during these times. Yes. So we have heard that uh, mental health problems are like on a sharp increase due to the pandemic. Um, many people are experiencing uh, high levels of depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. understandably, because of like, you know, the social isolation, job loss, uh, social disruption and uh, domestic abuse and violence is also really on the rise because people are sometimes trapped in an environment mm -hmm. like their home environment. They can't really go anywhere else. Right. And, you know, a lot of people, they try to escape from um, these issues by going online. And um, there was a publication in Scientific American by someone called uh, Dr. Daniel Ramo, who is a clinical psychologist that specializes in adolescent health. And she was just raising um, a, a greater awareness about some of the trials and tribulations that are being uh, put on the backs of uh, LGBTQ youth. And especially uh, LGBTQ youth that are black, indigenous, and people of color. Mm -hmm. So we also see now in society there's like a huge uproar and turmoil and hopefully change for the better of uh, black, indigenous, and people of color um, bringing, raising a lot of awareness of like the violence and discrimination that they face on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. So like this is all happening now and it's kind of like a, 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 the perfect storm. And... Um, when a lot of people are able to seek refuge online during the pandemic, many LGBTQ people, it, 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 they can, but not always, because sometimes they become a target for cyberbullying quite mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. So they don't even have really like that kind of safe space online necessarily. So what Daniel Ramo was trying to raise awareness about is that LGBTQ, especially Black, Indigenous, and people of color youth right now are kind of in a really crappy situation. And um, if you know of people that fall into this population category, uh, I encourage you to like reach out and like give them a helping hand, ask them how they're doing, because these people are already highly susceptible to higher levels of depression and anxiety and, uh, and mental health problems due to the uh, chronic stress and um, minority stress, discrimination, yeah. mm -hmm. minority stress and, and discrimination that they face. And sometimes if they're stuck at home with a family, like the family may be like very homophobic or mm -hmm. transphobic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, violence and mental health issues resulting from that could be like way more common in this population. Yeah. And um, they're at very, very high risk for suicide already. And just like with like the added burden of depression that's being caused by the pandemic, it could like push a lot of these vulnerable population these members of these vulnerable population groups over the edge mm -hmm. and so like we as a society have a duty to um help the most vulnerable out yes and we see that when we fail to do that this is something that has been really brought to light uh during the pandemic that there's many vulnerable population groups that are dying from covid because we've essentially turned our backs on them mm -hmm. or like overlooked their needs so especially like the elderly, people living in poverty, people with other kind of chronic health conditions. And so um, part of this puzzle includes LGBTQ youth, uh, especially that are also visible minorities. And wow. we need to be aware of that and we should act um, in a beneficent manner 
to um, extend an olive branch to these people. Mm. Jason, thank you so much for bringing that to light. We appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Jason Behrman, where can people find you? Oh, if you just do uh, maybe Dr. Jason, you can find me online. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. So my handle is J Behrman, PhD. And my family name is a little bit strange. It's B-E-H-R-M-A-N-N. Uh, you can also find me on uh, LinkedIn. Um, a quick Google search, you will be able to find a lot of my content uh, with, with ease, I assume. Yes, with ease. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next month. My pleasure. You all take right. care, Laurie. Enjoy the summer. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you all. Thanks for spending your time with me. Uh, thanks to our technical producer, Chris Aiken, tonight. If you want to connect with me on uh, social media, at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, or through my website, drlori.com. We also post on that website all the past podcasts, which are also available through SoundCloud and iHeartRadio. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.